Hey there, welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nations Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief here at NRN, and this is the show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision makers. This week, I'm talking with Jose Armario, the CEO of Bojangles, a beloved North Carolina-based franchise specializing in chicken and biscuits. Bojangles has grown to more than 800 locations, but historically, it's really struggled to grow outside of its southeast roots. That is, until now. The chain is expanding both north and west with a pared-down menu built around boneless chicken, a menu that is easier to execute, thereby allowing franchisees to really put their best foot forward to new guests in growth markets. Jose joined the podcast to talk about the decision to put boneless chicken uh, front and center, uh, the secrets to the brand's massive cult-like following, and how he thinks Bojangles is on track to be a household name all across the country. In this interview, you will learn more about why strong execution is the foundation for robust expansion, why the adoption of AI requires a careful balancing act, and how you cannot run restaurants from your computer. Jumping now into my interview with Bojangles CEO, Jose Armario. Also, don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my six takeaways from this discussion, actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. Okay, I'm here with Jose Armario, the CEO of Bojangles. Jose, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate being here. Big fan of uh, Nation's Restaurant News. So it's an honor to be uh, on this podcast with you today. Oh, an honor to have you. Uh, I, I will get into this, but uh, Jose Bojangles has a very special place in my heart. So I'm very excited to talk to you about it. Um, I don't think Bojangles needs an introduction, but if you gave a one one minute elevator pitch about what this brand is all about, what would that be? Best food in the industry. I mean, that's it in a nutshell. If uh, you look at our menu and how it delivers to consumers every day, it's not fast food. It's good food fast. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, how I that's would describe pitch. it. That's good. Quick and to the point. That's great. I love that's that. Um, so, Jose, I lived in North Carolina for 13 years, and Bojangles was, I would say, a weekly a weekly visit for me. The chicken biscuit was a staple in my household. Um, I moved to Columbus, and I am very pleased to say that you guys are making inroads here, and we'll get into that because right now it's still about 25-minute drive from my house, so I just need that a little bit closer if you don't mind. Um, But I think I'm probably like a lot of people where I'm a northerner, but I'm well familiar with Bojangles. And um, anytime I'm in the South again now, I got to make a stop. What is the, What is it about this brand? Why do you think it has sort of like, I would say like a cult favorite kind of status? Yeah, I, I think it goes back to the founding of the brand in 77. I think the founders did a meticulous job of understanding uh, the the food, you know, and making sure the food was made from scratch and that it hit a certain profile, taste profile that appealed to many people, yet it was distinctive. You know, it was a little different. And I, of course, I, I think Southern hospitality, uh, you know, is a big part of our brand. And I think that that does draw people because we're not like every other QSR out there. Um, I think the other thing, too, is that when you're making 
a biscuit that takes 49 steps, right? Like it's it's handmade in the back. When you're marinating chicken and batter breading and frying, and when you're making fixins, as we call them, uh, from scratch in the back of the house, the food tastes like home. I mean, it's really home cooking in a QSR environment. Mm-hmm. And I think that really makes us very different. And we don't take shortcuts. You know, we don't cut the quality of the product. I mean, we've been very proud about how we put our products together. And I think it resonates for people. And we've got very loyal fans. And I think the 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 thing that like is appealing to me is that who doesn't like great food? Who doesn't like great chicken biscuits and tea? I mean, our tea, we steep it the old fashioned way. And why can't we take this everywhere else? Why just stay in the cell? Yeah, yeah. And and that is now seemingly your goal as you grow. Like I said, you're growing here in Ohio. I know you're pushing a little bit further north. In the past, Bojangles has kind of made some attempts at going north. It's not always been successful or it's just not always been as big as I think you guys see this as being now. Why, why do you think now is the time to take this brand out of the southeast? Um, you know, that that is the question, right? Like, why now? Why not now? I mean, uh, the demand is there, right? Like chicken is still the predominant, fastest growing protein in the U.S. and in the world. Uh, Southern is in now more than ever. Like people know Southern cooking is awesome. Mm -hmm. People know the brand. I mean, I think our brand is well recognized, even though we've been primarily just in the Southeast or the traditional South, if you will. People know the brand. They recognize the brand. I, you know, I, it, it amazes me. Every day, I'm like so proud to be, uh, you know, the CEO of the brand because people love the brand. They love the food. And what's the first thing people do when they come back through Charlotte Airport or Raleigh or anywhere else? I got to get my bow fix. Yeah. You know, that's it's it really our food and our service and our culture resonates with consumers. And I don't think people in the West, in the Midwest, the Mid-Atlantic and the real Southeast, you know, like down South Florida, I don't think they're any different. They crave and love great food. Mm-hmm. So why not now? Well, one could consider the comparison of, I, I almost see it like an In-N-Out. You're almost like a, a chicken and biscuit In-N-Out where people, when they go back to California or visit California, In-N-Out tends to be one of the stops because um, right. it's just, it's embedded in California culture. Same thing with Bojangles, right? And how do you, how do you lead with that? Because obviously as a franchised organization, um, you have to find franchisees in other markets uh, and they have to be the ones that can kind of sell this passion for a brand that maybe the Northerners aren't so familiar with. So how do you lead with this idea of great food out of the Southeast, but for everybody? Well, it's got to resonate. Like I said before, at the end of the day, you know, it can't be polarizing. The food has to be appealing to the masses. And I think our menu does that. And when we have potential franchisees knock on our door and we recruit them and we've had a lot of success with this, we, we eventually come back here to Charlotte and we do a number of things with them to get to know them and to validate that they're the right fit for us and we're the right fit for them. And ultimately, we bring the menu out, right? Like we showcase our food and these are people that work and live in the marketplace. They know what the consumers like and Because the food is so generous and it's so tasteful, they automatically see the value of bringing it into their market. They know the consumer. These are experienced people in the marketplace. So I believe that 
Bojangles should be a national powerhouse. We should be coast to coast. There's no reason why we shouldn't be. And we're on our path to do that as we speak. You mentioned how Southern food is kind of having a moment. <clears throat> I would also point out, you know, the two primary categories you guys participate in, chicken and breakfast, each also having moments. Um, and, you know, chicken has been a thing for a long, long time, but especially post-pandemic, during the pandemic, um, fried chicken being such a uh, so highly in demand by consumers. And then breakfast, which we all thought would disappear with the pandemic, actually just roared back and breakfast so much uh, in, in demand as well from consumers. So, I mean, is that one of the key strengths of this brand? Obviously, the great food, as we've talked about, and the real personality I think Bojangles has, but chicken and breakfast. And by the way, those two things going together, which in the North, not everybody understands. Right, How do you right. lean into that? Well, I think it's, you know, it's one of the strengths of the brand, right? The brand's been around, like I said, since 1977. And we do almost 40% of our sales by 11 in the morning. We have three real day parts. Like there's a lot of brands that do good volume, but they do it in one or two day parts. We have three really good day parts that we can build on. Mm -hmm. So our breakfast is very strong and our lunch and dinner business. I mean, we, we have a menu that appeals to the masses and appeals to occasions because everyone's got an eating occasion, right? Whether it's a quick breakfast, whether it's I want to sit down and have a nice lunch, whether it's I want to take food home for dinner or whether I want to go tailgate or I want to go do a party and I need some some great options. So I, I do think that our food resonates and it allows us to be successful in all day parts. And I think that's what's driving our success and has been for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Really unique in that three day part strategy, like you said. And and while you do well in breakfast, you're not a breakfast restaurant, which obviously I think is important. I want to break down the chicken part of this, though, because, again, chicken, probably your stiffest competition is from other chicken players. Um, and you guys have been doing some some work in this regard because, of course, Bojangles started as a bone-in uh, forward brand. You've done a lot in by way of boneless recently because trends kind of shifting that direction. Uh, tell me how, how Bojangles has evolved the last couple of years, its menu, specifically with that chicken strategy, to set it up against some of your competitors. Perfect. Uh, great question. Thank you. You know, Sam, first of all, let me say this. Our brand is very defined in the markets we've been in since 1977. So bone and chicken will continue to be a part of that menu and we will continue to satisfy our customers and the demand that we have there. But even in the core markets, when you look at our product mix, we still sell more boneless chicken by virtue of, of the Cajun filet biscuit that you got to know and love when you were living in North Carolina or in the Carolinas. And, and when you think of our Chicken Supremes, which is our tender product, the company, those are the top two selling products we already have in the core market. Mm -hmm. So Bone-In is still a part of it, but the other Boneless sells even more. Mm. So when we looked at expansion and we looked at going to other new markets, what we want to be is very good at what we say we're going to do, right? Like we want to execute at a high level. So we took the best of Bojangles' core menu and we contemporized it. We modernized it, right? Like we, we made it about a boneless platform because we believe we can execute it better in today's marketplace, right? Mm -hmm. Things are harder today. Labor market's harder. You know, inflation has hit everyone. 
So we've got to be just great at what we do every single day. And if we can make the menu less complicated and leverage the best of Bojangles, because when you go to these expansion markets that we're going into, like Texas and Central Florida or uh, Memphis, what you're going to find is the flavor of Bojangles is still there. That's mm -hmm. not gone away. The breakfast is still the same great breakfast you enjoy today. You know, we've still got the, the, the hand, but we have a hand breaded chicken biscuit. We've got, you know, the sausage biscuit, everything else that we normally sell is there. But we've really gone after the chicken sandwich and tender part of the menu in a, a more elevated way, leveraging the Bojangles um, flavor profile. And the, the, the fixings or sides that are the most popular, right? Our dirty rice, uh, our mac and cheese, our coleslaw, and our seasoned fries. Those are the things we sell the most in our core market. And we, we took the best from the core and we tried to elevate it in a way that resonates with what today's consumers are asking for. And when you look at consumption of chicken over the last 10, 20 years, Bonin has had its, its, its steady but boneless is like there's this hockey stick mm -hmm. on the grass that show you the demand for that has continued to rise. So we, we want to be where our consumers want us to be. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we're we're looking at that, working with that, working with our franchisees and our company stores in those markets. And it's still not, you know, like we haven't perfected it, but we like what we see so far. It has yeah. resonated well. The sales have been outstanding. And we'll continue to work on it as we move further west, further north, and further south. Is, do you sacrifice dinner business at all by emphasizing boneless versus bone-in? Do you feel like consumers are just going to boneless for dinner too? We we have not seen that. Okay. The the demand, I mean, and, and the good thing about Bojangles is we've got so many options for you because you can have the individual meal or you can have the big bow box. We've got plenty of examples of that right here yeah. where we can package up these, these beautifully hand-breaded tenders that are made in the restaurants with those four fixings. It makes for a great meal. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we don't sacrifice anything by doing it that way. So this pared down menu that you guys have really leaned into now, um, is that an option for franchisees? Do, are, are you working with them to say, hey, maybe you are in a more of a residential area and bone-in makes sense? Or what What goes into the decision to focus on one menu versus another to have bone-in versus not having bone-in? What does that look like? Yeah, I think the the main thing here is that when we're going into a new market, we get to sort of establish the brand. Mm-hmm. And so for us, it's about making sure that it's contemporary, modern, and meets the needs of the consumer. So when we work with our franchisees, obviously, if, if we're building new restaurants, which we built 40 last year, 10 of those were in new expansion markets. There's really only one expansion market strategy. That's this contemporized menu. But the other 30 that grew inside the Carolinas in Georgia, Virginia, Tennessee, they stuck to the core menu, because that's how the brand's defined. Yeah. But we feel we have permission to contemporize the brand as we move further west and north and south. Got it. Operationally speaking, does this, I have to imagine, you kind of talked about labor. I have to imagine that operationally, 
this makes for a much more efficient business model to have this pared down menu. Can you talk to me about how there are savings here, how this maybe eases labor? What are those efficiencies you find in that pared down strategic? Menu? I think I think for us at, at Bojangles, you know, the complexity in the full menu gets simplified to such a high degree that, you know, as we've put some of our managers and some of our franchisees have brought managers, let's say from the core traditional markets to the new markets, when you ask them, would you ever consider putting bone and chicken again? They would say, uh, no, I mean, this is easier to execute. It's a little more complicated in that we're hand breading and frying, you know, a lot, but it's a volume model. You're mm -hmm. replicating the volume every minute, every half hour, every hour. And what it gives you is efficiency and productivity and it gives you better, fresh and hot food because you're rotating on a more frequent basis. And it allows us to really be great at executing and delivering a great experience for customers. You know, and I've said this before, you know, we, we really have an opportunity. The, the brands that I see winning in our space, I don't believe they have better food than us, but I think they execute at a very high level. And I think if we can execute at a very high level every day. And we do that in many of our restaurants, but that really is the key. People are, they're pinched, you know, uh, from a budget standpoint, people are tight, like everything's gone up, everything's. So whatever you do with a consumer, it's gotta be worth it for them, right? Like they're gonna spend the money. It's gotta be hot, fresh food served right. People that are friendly, clean environment. And in a way that makes them feel like I got my money's worth. And we believe we do that. When you see the size of our products compared to our competitors, and we've not made a big deal about this, Sam, our, our food is, is more plentiful. It is definitely more value for the money. Mm -hmm. I, I would challenge anyone to go and compare. It's, yeah. it's definitely bigger, better, and more flavorful at Bojangles. So labor has been tough. This has allowed us to make our employees happier because they could do their job better satisfy customers better. It has also enabled us to look at our new restaurant that we've contemporized and made more efficient. We've got better equipment for cooking. We've got better equipment for holding. We've entered into the AI space and we now have 15 restaurants that are using AI for order taking at the drive-through. And we've been blown away at how efficient it is you know, at the beginning, some of the employees are a little intimidated and a little scared. Is this going to take hours away from me? Now they love, we, we call our AI voice Bolinda. And Bolinda <laughs> has become a great part of the team. They love Bolinda because mm -hmm. now we've got that one station, man, and they can focus on delivering a great product and great service. So we're going to continue to look at technology as a way to help us with the labor challenges through AI, through self-ordering kiosks. A lot of people are already doing that. And certainly we've gone into the delivery uh, space uh, when the pandemic hit. We didn't have a delivery platform in 2020. Yeah. And uh, we had it planned and we certainly moved it up. We got it launched in April. We were going to do it in August. And like, you want to survive, you better get delivery going right now. Mm -hmm. And we did that. And we've been pleasantly surprised at our growth on the digital space as well. So those are things you do, you know, to help offset some of the labor challenges. The good news is that, I think at the end of the day, uh, people are looking to work for great employers and great brands. Mm -hmm. and, and, the, and, and the labor market's slowly coming back. And, and we need and we are stepping up our game 
around creating a great culture in our restaurants and making sure that people have a development plan where they could grow if they want to stay in the industry and making sure that they have all the other things that they want from a benefits and pay standpoint. Lots to unpack here. Uh, okay. I, what, what I want to start with, though, so is... It was a little long and, there, so... No, and, and I, I also, all kinds of things in there I want to touch on, because this is all okay. great. And where I want to start is with your biscuits, because I'm um, talking about labor, and you mentioned the 49 steps you guys have to make your biscuits. And certainly in your core markets in the Southeast, I mean, biscuits are religion. You cannot get the biscuit wrong. Um, this is really your calling card. And, and in this age of the labor challenges and turnover, um, in this age of AI, I mean, I'm sure you would have, you would be tempted to say, let's get a robot. Let's go get, you know, Bo the robot, the Bobot. Uh, that's, that's free for you. You can have that for you. Um, let's get the Bobot <laughs> to make the biscuits for me. And, you know, and, and that be that I save on, right. But I have to imagine that is not in the cards or at least like you guys are putting this kind of real hospitality and personal attention into the biscuits. So tell me about, I guess, the pressures of labor and how you maintain that sort of human part of it to keep the quality high. It's a, it's a delicate balance because you don't want to lose your brand identity. Right. And, and most brands, the first thing people identify with is the food. And we've built this great brand because of the food. That's where I started with the first question, the elevator speech, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, we don't see, we don't believe that anyone but a great human being, a great team member should touch and make our biscuits. Those 49 steps matter. And, and we're so proud of that, by the way, Sam, and I didn't mention this, that if you go into a new restaurant, whether core or expansion, we've put a window for customers to see us making the biscuits. Mm. We want them to see that. In, in the biscuit arena, most of my competitors are bringing in a frozen biscuit and baking it. And honestly, that's, that's not good for anyone because you, you give people the wrong impression about what a biscuit is. If, you don't, if you're not from the South, you really don't know what a good biscuit is unless someone right. makes one for you, right? And so, we we don't see why we would go into that space for that area. But as I was just talking about AI on drive-through, look, would I prefer that there be a human voice on the drive-through that says, hey, welcome to Bojangles, you know, welcome home. It's it's bow time for sure. But I believe the delicate balance for me is that by having that steady sort of execution every day there, I can focus my friendliness component at the window when they actually come to pay and pick up the food. I think that's the last thing they see. That's the last thing they feel. I think that matters more. And that's the balance between the two things that I'm trying to figure out with my team yeah. and our franchisees. No, that's great. And, and and that's what I was wondering too about, you know, the, the drive-through AI in particular, um, you know, Southern hospitality is, is, it's not, you can't just give it a Southern accent and call it a day. And I, and I'm very curious to see how, as we bring AI into the ordering process, um, how we can maintain hospitality and particularly for a brand like Bojangles where hospitality again is, is one of the emphasis, one of the emphases and what you guys are doing, you know, how do you work, I guess, with a, an AI provider to ensure an AI also is hospitable in something like a drive through The technology's come a long way. Yeah. Um, it still sounds a little robotic, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, 
but it's getting better. And I think, you know, like they've even offered me Arnold Schwarzenegger could be the voice that welcomes people to book. That would not be very Southern. Not on brand. <laughs> not, not on brand. But but the fact is, is that technology is growing very fast. I think it's getting better. Um, so I think as we refine that, we'll find ways to sound more Southern. The good news is that the headset the manager wears in the restaurant, getting a little tactical here, but when a customer pulls up, they can always jump in and help out with the order. So it doesn't have to rely 100% on that. But I think we just got to work with the technology, but not lose you know, what defines us mm. and our people define us for sure. That one component, I don't think makes for the whole experience. So I think we could make up for some of the AI with the interaction at the front counter or at the window. And I think, like I said, the food, I, I, I've looked at some of the technology with robotics in the kitchen and some of it's actually quite, quite exciting. Mm. And we're certainly keeping an eye on it. Um, but right now I think the way we make our food, it's best made by our team members, our, our, our staff. And, and there's something about Southern food that when you make it, you also put a little bit of love into it mm -hmm. and it just tastes better that way. And I, I don't want to lose that at this moment. So that's where sure. we're going. And so piggybacking off of that, I mean, and, and considering this sort of pared down menu you're using to uh, enter into these growth, new growth markets, um, you know, how much do you change the footprint of a Bojangles? Because if that Southern hospitality, if that experience of, of sitting down to a Bojangles meal, uh, does, does that need to include dine-in still? Do you, do you see a role in which you get rid of the dining room and really focus on off-premises? How do you find those balances, particularly in these new markets you're entering? I think in the new markets, what we're learning is we probably need to go bigger at the beginning before you get more efficient. I think the mm -hmm. dine-in space is not dead. It's alive and well, and it's slowly coming back. Certainly during the pandemic, nobody was open inside. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we're seeing is more and more customers are coming in and coming in and coming in because they want the outing. They want the environment. Uh, if anything, you know, I think we need to go a little bigger on our dining rooms when we first open up into a new market. Uh, but at Bojangles, you know, we have choices. So we work very closely with our franchisees or our company folks, and we define whether we need to go bigger or midsize or smaller in the dining room, depending on the market. And we certainly have options with drive through only, if that's what makes sense. Sometimes, sometimes the sites don't allow you to do what you ideally want to do, or it's just like, that's your only entry point. And we are now looking also at storefront locations so that you could order ahead, pull up, maybe walk up to the window as we continue to find ways to get into communities or markets that we're not in. So it's really about having a choice of platforms that are flexible to the consumer and the investment so that you can get the right return. Sure. Um, you mentioned uh, culture. You say that word culture. We've been talking about culture as an industry for many, many years. Um, but particularly considering the labor crunch of the pandemic and post-pandemic, considering um, you know the efforts to uh, improve retention these days, uh, lots of folks I talk to these days are talking a lot more about you know, the restaurant industry as a career than they previously did. It just feels like there's a real focus right now on investing in your team, decreasing your tone, turnover, increasing your retention. And a lot of that really does come down to culture. Um, as you define it, what is Bojangles culture and how does it come to life? Uh, Bojangles culture is all about family. You know, we, we see our 
teams in the restaurants as part of our family. Mm-hmm. And look, most of us spend more time with our team members than our own family because this is an industry where you put in a lot of hours and, you know, we're open seven days a week. Uh, we're not closed on Sundays. We're open every single day and we're open long hours and we're open holidays. And so the, the folks that are in the restaurants are truly our family. So creating a culture around family and care matters to us. Like we were, I think we were the first ones in the industry to launch uh, a program where you could call in to get medical advice and support without having insurance. That was like something we offered every employee, whether they were full-time or not, because we mm-hmm. care about their well-being. And many of them can't afford insurance or the copay. So the ability for them to be able to call up and speak to a doctor live and get advice on what their symptoms are. So very powerful message to our team, to our Bo family, that we care about them. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we have to continue to find ways to make sure that what matters to our team members in the restaurants are the things we're paying attention to. The example I just gave you being one, ways to earn more money and grow as they learn more positions, having a career path, all those things matter. But ultimately, cultures created by leadership mm. begins with me, creating the right culture here in our company. And and obviously it goes down to the management team in the restaurants. If they care and they lead the right way, they will attract great people and they will keep great people. That's the ultimate sign that your culture is strong when you've got all those fundamentals working well. And that's, that's been true since I started working in this industry, which I don't want to date myself too badly, but I did start in the industry when I was 14. And I can tell you, there's an old saying, People don't leave companies, they mm. leave managers. Oh, yeah. And that is still true today. You can pay people $20 an hour. If they don't like who they're working with or for, they're gonna find something else that they like to do better. And I believe that. And so we are amping that up. We continue to work on it. We collaborate with our franchisees on this. We have some amazing franchisees that do a superb job in this area. And our job is to find those best practices, those best skills, and try to replicate them throughout the entire Bojangle system. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Love that, that line about not leaving companies, leaving managers. I mean, that is, that is so true. And that's where I see a lot of the focus going these days is how do you build the infrastructure of trickling down that leadership, trickling down that culture. That's, that's so good. Um, I want to touch on that then from a franchise perspective, Um, you know, about a decade ago, maybe even longer. I remember speaking with a Bojangles franchisee in Raleigh and, and forgive me, I don't remember his name, but he had been with the organization for since the beginning. Um, and I just had that really, that sense of that family nature of the culture as you, that you speak of with Bojangles. And that, re- that really is with the franchisees too. I mean, you have franchisees who've been with this organization for decades. Um, and how do you take that into account as you look for new franchisees and as you grow? Because I imagine you have a high standard for who that franchisee should be and you want to bring them into that family. So what, what's that selection process like? How do you find franchisees that can appropriately be a part of the family and bring that experience to new markets? Yeah, great question. And the, the person you're referring to is uh, Tommy and Donna Haddock. And uh, that, that little short, quick story, I think it's fascinating. Uh, first of all, Tommy and, and Donna have been franchisees. I mean, amazing franchisees to the Bojangle system for 43, 44 years. Amazing. And uh, uh, Tommy, his wife, Donna, 
uh, she is one of the daughters of one of our founders. That's right. Yeah. That's so you exactly probably remember right. that. And so, yeah. um, by the way, to Tommy fell in love and married Donna before the company was founded. So let's, <laughs> let's get that straight. Not in okay? it for the Bojangles. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that was a nice thing that came afterwards. Yeah. I, I hope he gets a, a little jiggle out of this. If he listens to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, Tommy. Hi, Donna. Love Hi, you. Tommy. Uh, um, they are outstanding franchisees and they, they have a passion about our brand that we look for. And, and it's not easy to spot up front. So when you, when you go out and you receive all of these very attractive folks knocking on our door saying we're interested in Bojangles, we try to do a very thorough job of the basic stuff. Like, of course, the background checks and the financial checks, right? Like all those things matter. But how do they define themselves? What, are, what other businesses are they in and how do they run those businesses? What's their reputation in the marketplace? You know, one of the questions I like to tell them, and, and, and this is not something that, that probably I should do, but I do. I say, you know, if you, if you like being behind a computer, this is probably not the right business for you because mm. this is a business where you've got to be present in the restaurants. That is where it all happens. You don't ring up one dollar in the office. And so you've got to have a passion for people, for customers and for being in the restaurants to be successful in this industry. If all you're looking for is to run something from a laptop, it's not a good move. And, and, and I say that because that's the truth. And mm -hmm. if not, you know, I think you, you can mislead people. So we look for that and we look for that based on what they do today and how successful they are. And we go visit their other businesses with and without them. Mm. And we, we also ask for a commitment, especially if they're new to the industry. This really matters. Training. Yeah. You cannot be trained in our industry in six weeks. It's, it's maybe with, with a very small shop that's doing two products, maybe, right? But like in, in our industry, you have to experience all the highs and lows that can happen to you every day in a restaurant. When you're open all those hours, a lot can happen in a day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, you could learn how to make a biscuit in six weeks and certainly make our products. And you could do that. But will you know what to do when that bus pulls up or when the two people call in sick right? or the delivery's late? Like, there's lots mm -hmm. of things that can happen. I think we've instituted a six-month training program so we can position our franchisees to have the most success that they can have when they open up the doors and they take over that restaurant. Because mm -hmm. once they have all that experience in their hands, they'll know what to do the moment they walk in and open up the doors. So we try to be very meticulous about not just finding the person that's qualified on uh, the basics, but is overqualified on the intangibles around people and culture and service and liking and loving and being in the field and the restaurants. Those are the things we look for in our franchisees. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Jose, last question for you. Um, early in this conversation, you said that Bojangles should be a national brand. You really believe it can be there, and you guys are, are on a path toward getting it there. Now, I know your career, your resume, you have, a, you have had stints at McDonald's and Burger King. I mean, you've seen what it takes to have a, a national brand like those, and you see Bojangles being one, too. What's it going to take? What's going to get Bojangles to that same level, that same national status? Um, I think number one is we have to find the right franchisees 
or the right company people to lead us in this expansion that we're doing. It begins with the leadership. And then we have to stick to the fundamentals because ultimately today's consumers, I mentioned earlier, will reward you with repeat business if you deliver on great service, great quality, the cleanliness, the friendliness. And if the value for money's there, our food wins. Like if we do those things with our menu, and I, I know that sounds a little over the top, right? Like, who does this guy think he is? I mean, why is he saying this? He's full of himself. No, man. I mean, go try our food. Our food speaks for itself. I mean, it's the best food in the industry. I really believe that. And I've had a lot of experience with other brands. And, and I would tell you that I, I love this brand more than anything else I've ever done. And um, while I've taken, I think I've done a good job taking care of other companies and other brands, um, I love the opportunity to grow this brand. This brand mm -hmm. deserves to be a national brand and customers deserve to have a Bojangles experience. Mm. And so I think that's the path to success. Obviously you have to have good real estate. Obviously there's gotta be good supply chain and, and distribution and there's gotta be good training and there's gotta be good marketing, all those things. I mean, you've gotta have them, but it begins by the selection of the franchisee or the company leader. And it begins with this commitment to excellence. And if we do that with our products, again, uh, I believe people in the Midwest and in the, the South, like Texas and in the West, they're going to, they're going to find out what a great biscuit is when they come to Bojangles. And they're going to find that our chicken, our biscuits, our tea are second to none. Mm. Our food actually has flavor and it went. <laughs> go figure. Hey, who knew that would lead to success? Right? I mean, look, I go out, I try our competitors' foods. Uh -huh. And our food tastes better. I, and I know that, again, it sounds a little cocky, but I think it's true. I mean, when you were in the Carolinas, did you go just because it was convenient? My guess is you like the taste of the food. It was one of my favorite Saturday morning activities <laughs> to I go mean, to the drive-thru. You craved it, yeah. right? You craved, craved it. it. Like, yes. it, it's craveable food. Jose, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I'm thinking about driving a half hour to Bojangles tomorrow. Go. To my clothes. Go. <laughs> Just because I'm getting hungry right now. <laughs> Dude, ask for the uh, Bojangles chicken biscuit sandwich. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bo Bojangles chicken biscuit or ask for the Bojangles chicken sandwich. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I dare you to tell me that there's a better one out there. And our tenders, I dare you to tell me you find a better one and a bigger one. Mm -hmm. And so... Maybe maybe size does matter. Oh, who knows? <laughs> I'll just get the whole range and then I'll do a taste test. That's what <laughs> I'll do. Would you do that? I mean, try try a Bowberry milkshake. Oh man, I haven't had one of those. I do Bowberries were my next. They, those were my number two, but the chicken biscuit was was the go-to. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I gotta tell you, I'm getting hungry talking to you right now. Like I'm <laughs> like I'm wanting it, some right now. I know. I, it's lunchtime. I will release you. Uh, Jose Armario, the CEO of Bojangles. Jose, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Hey, Sam, appreciate the opportunity. It's bow time. Let's bow go. Time. Let's do it. That was my interview with Bojangles CEO, Jose Armario. So what should you learn from this interview? Here are my six takeaways. My first takeaway is that status as a cult favorite starts with the food. Uh, if you couldn't tell from this interview, I, I'm kind of a nerd with Bojangles. I lived in North Carolina for 12 years, and it was one of these staples. It was one of my go-tos. And can confirm if you've not had Bojangles, 
their food genuinely is craveable. As much as I don't like that word sometimes as a marketing term, when I think craveable, I often think of Bojangles. Uh, not trying to blow smoke here, not trying to do a plug for the company, just saying really good food. Jose says this is really the calling card for Bojangles and one of its promises as it grows. The food is why people come back. It's why I was giddy when I was talking to Jose about my memories of Bojangles. It starts with the food. If you want to be a, a, a restaurant that people whisper about or, you know, they talk about, uh, you know, oh, have you heard of this? Oh, this chain is growing here. Oh, you got to stop there as you go through town. If you want that reputation as the place you must try, you must go to, you have to start with the food. Jose points out there are no shortcuts in the Bojangles kitchen. They don't want to do that because the food is such a critical component to its success. So likewise for you, if you want to be a favorite to customers, a cult favorite even, start with the food, focus on the food, make it high quality food, do not take any shortcuts. My second takeaway is that strong execution is the foundation for robust expansion. Uh, Bojangles has been growing in fits and starts into the north and the west over the last decade. There have been attempts to get outside of the southeast, uh, which Jose and I talked about, but now they think they've really finally figured this out. They've finally figured out what is key to taking Bojangles across the country. And as Jose said, it is this new model, this new pared down menu that they're rolling out with new franchisees that is really built around that boneless chicken, really emphasizing, you know, a smaller, more efficient menu. Because in doing that, they allow for that easier execution for the new franchisees. With new, with easier execution, you're going to have stronger quality. And with stronger quality, you're catching the attention of those new guests in those new markets. I think this is a really smart strategy. Now, still in the Southeast, these core markets that Jose talked about, you're still going to find that core menu, that the bone-in chicken that Bojangles has always been known for, um, and some other menu items that are not making it to that pared-down menu. Uh, and as Jose talked about, they're going to continue to figure out what might make sense for the menu in the new markets, and maybe there are lessons between the two, between the new growth markets and the core markets in the Southeast. But as they grow, Bojangles really wants to make sure they're ensuring that quality, and that quality starts with this efficient pared-down menu. And I think it's just, it makes a, a lot of sense. Uh, Jose had this line where he said, great at what we do every single day. If you can be great at what you do every single day, you're winning over those customers. You're becoming that household name in those new markets that you're growing into. My third takeaway is that you need to go where your customers want you to go. Uh, might make, you know, might seem like an obvious statement, but it's true. You, especially if you've been around for, been around for many decades, like Bojangles, you might be really committed to your menu, committed to what you do. You don't want to veer from tradition. But Jose talked about this in terms of boneless chicken and how he said it's a hockey stick. The growth in boneless chicken has been incredible. We see that across the board in the restaurant industry. And as such, as customers show more and more interest in that boneless chicken, Bojangles has to follow in that direction. They have to really highlight that boneless chicken more and more. Because if they don't, customers aren't getting what they want and they're going to go turn to competitors for that option. Go where your customers want you to go. My fourth takeaway is that the adoption of AI requires a careful balancing act. Of course, AI is uh, has some incredible potential. And Jose talked about it from the Bojangles standpoint, some of the technology they're trying to roll out. I'm particularly interested in uh, that drive-through tech. And they have Bolinda, this um, drive-through uh, AI bot that is they're testing at some drive-throughs. 
I think all of that's fascinating. There's, there's, you know, of course, no doubt AI has a role in the restaurant industry of the future and can bring efficiencies and labor savings. But Jose pointed out too, the Bojangles promise is all about that Southern hospitality, that friendly face. There's 49 steps to making biscuits. You can't just have a robot do that. You have to find that balancing act or perform that balancing act, find that balance for your own brand. What are some things you can apply AI to? But what are those things you have to protect with your human employees? What are those core signature touches that require a human? You know, Jose said, yes, they do have that AI in the drive-through taking orders now in some locations, but they, the customer still picks up food from a friendly face, and that's the last thing they see. That just goes to show you that balancing act that Bojangles is doing and trying to balance the human with the artificial. My fifth takeaway is that people don't leave companies, people leave managers. You maybe heard this line before. I think I've heard it before too, but Jose said it and it just really drove home that point. You know, as you really embed culture into your restaurant, into your brand, you you really have to remember that uh, employees are looking for leaders. They're looking for uh, people who will invest in them, who will take them serious, who will um, treat them like family. That the culture at Bojangles, as Jose talks about, you know, it's it's a family. They want everybody to feel like family. At the end of the day, employees don't leave Bojangles because of Bojangles as a brand. They leave Bojangles because of a manager or, uh, or a leader or somebody who, you know, maybe made it impossible for them to stick around. As such, you have to train all of your people, all of your leaders in particular in that culture that you want your brand to identify with and make sure every leader, every manager is is taking care of their people, investing in their people, demonstrating that they care and that it is like a family in your system. Because then you can improve your retention efforts. Then people won't want to leave because they won't want to leave their manager and especially not their brand. My sixth and final takeaway is that you cannot run restaurants from your computer. Yes, of course. But it's important to remember for those of you who think the restaurant industry sounds fun and that, you know, you want to have that sort of creative um, component to the job. You want to develop a menu. You want to develop a, the design of the dining room, whatever that is. Yes, all that stuff is fun, but you have to be in your restaurants in order for it to be successful. You have to run your restaurants in person. Of course, you'll be on your computer plenty as well. And who knows, someday, you know, maybe you'll have more of an office job in your restaurant. But the fact of the matter is, is if you are going to own a restaurant, you have got to be in your restaurants. Jose talks about the fact that their new franchisees have to go through six months of training because, as he said, you're not going to get all, every experience of a restaurant in just six weeks like might be typical in the franchise space. You have to have that experience of every high and every low that could happen in your restaurant um, so that you know what to expect. You have to be in your restaurant and understand every single facet of it. Um, so I, I, it, it, again, is uh, something that might seem obvious, but you do have to remember that restaurants are people businesses. Hospitality is people-oriented. You need to be in person uh, in your restaurants as much as you possibly can to make them a success. And that is something that Bojangles is certainly working on with their franchisees as they grow. Those are all my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.okus at informa.com. Thanks again and talk to you next week.